This is the Parenting for Faith podcast from the Bible Reading Fellowship. Visit parentingforfaith.org for free online videos and resources and an eight-session course all about Parenting for Faith. You can also sign up for news, subscribe to this podcast, and find out about events and training in your area. Hello, my name is Rachel Turner, and this is Bedtime Drinks with Rachel. Uh, I am cold, which is why I'm wrapped up here because I live in Yorkshire and so uh yeah I do have a shawl I do and I'm not ashamed by my shawl I knitted it myself and uh we are here uh for the first time in a couple of months last month we unfortunately missed it because there was some of our guests were sick but we're really happy to be back and today we are talking about sin shame and guilt (laughs) easy stuff we figured that's that we're heading into Easter, and sometimes I find with Easter, uh, it all sort of comes at us at once, and then we're thinking, oh, how do we do this? And this Easter, as last Easter, we are home. <laughs> and uh, and therefore, we have these amazing opportunities to wade into these big topics of the crucifixion and what Jesus did for us. And I want us to feel confident to do that, to feel like we really can wade into this stuff, uh, that it's, it's the conversation piece of the home without feeling stressed or worried about it. And so uh, what I wanted to do was to just bring to you, as we normally do, just some ideas, some thoughts for you to think around to help you become confident in knowing what you think and how you want to approach it. So I hope you're well. I hope you're, uh, well, uh, kids are in a position that means you can be here. So hurrah! I celebrate you being here. And I also say a huge congratulations to those of us who have kids in school. Hopefully um, you're beginning to get your brains back. And for those of you who don't have your children back in school, we we hug you and love you and say it's going to be okay. So uh, as usual, what I'll do is I'll add some thoughts in. Again, these are just my thoughts. They're not the definitive thoughts on everything. Uh, And you can feel free to ask questions and give me scenarios or anything that you feel is something that would be helpful to you. And uh, then we will pray and then we'll answer any questions or comments or concerns or ponderings or heresy flags that we can just discuss it together. Um, So uh, as as I do sometimes when I uh, encounter something in life, I Google it. And so I thought, oh, I'll Google it, see what's on there. And then I went on to the vast expanse of the internet. And whew, there's a lot of stuff on this topic. And some stuff I agree with and some stuff I really don't. And uh, I began to be a bit overwhelmed just looking at it all. And I thought, this is such an important topic for us as Christians, an important topic for us of people who love God and, and want to disciple our kids and walking with him. And I think sometimes we can just feel overwhelmed by the enormity of it, of wanting to do it well, of wanting to do it right. And what that can do is sort of stop our mouths. It can it can make us nervous about wading into it because we so don't want to do it wrong. And, and I'm hoping today that will just um, give you some next steps in this. And so uh, what I wanted to do was just talk around some concepts of ways that you can introduce that. When I look at scripture and I see how we are to disciple our children, Deuteronomy 6, 4 to 9 calls up this image of us walking. It says, impress these, you know, these things upon your children when you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get up, you know, tie them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. He describes this really ordinary, everyday, boring bits of life where God says, that's where I am. That's where I want you to talk about me. That's where I want you to teach your children where I am and how to interact with me. And I think particularly when it comes to sin, shame, and guilt, what we do is we go, oh, 
We have to save it up for the conversation, the Good Friday moment, the one time where I'm going to lay out definitively what sin, guilt, and shame is, and it feels like it's such a big deal that we need to work up to. And actually, if we could weave into our normal everyday lives conversations about sin, guilt, shame, reconciliation with God, we are then showing our kids that that is just a normal cycle of life, that we don't need to wait till we feel really bad three weeks later to have a big Jesus moment, we can just have an encounter, get forgiveness, feel connected, and move on. And we we want them to find God and find forgiveness and find freedom in their every ordinary every days. And so these are my suggestions for how we can do that. The first thing that I would suggest when we start talking about sin, guilt, and shame is, as usual, if you've done anything parenting for faith, you know the words out of my mouth are going to be create windows. And I think this is a real big challenge for us as parents of 5 to 11s because uh, most of our faith is private, but particularly the bits where you want to confess your sins to Jesus and get forgiveness is super private. And I think there are moments where our kids need to see what to do to be able to um to be able to have a bad day or to be talking to your kids about, you know, something you did today. And as we talk about creating windows of saying, you know what, we were, you know, we had a meeting. Here's an example from my life. We had a meeting and I was debriefing the meeting with my team members, you know, after you have the meeting, then you have the post meeting. And I just, I just felt that I let my, I let my language become from honoring people to dishonoring people. Like I began to not mock people, but I just began to talk about them in a way that I wouldn't want to talk about them in front of them. And that, that made me feel not dirty, but it was like a little check, a little, a little, little poke in my heart that said, Whoa, that's not, that's not okay. And it wasn't, I wouldn't say it was super bad. It wasn't horrible. I wasn't saying mean things about them, but it just crossed a line into, into, not kindness that that I just felt God poke my heart and it's been sitting on me. It's made me think, oh, I'm a bad person. Oh, I I messed that up. I shouldn't have done that. And and that was that was my day. And I just actually it's just it's just weighing on me for a second. Do you mind if I just I just want to God, I'm really sorry I did that. I don't want that. I don't want that on me. I'm sorry, God. I pray that you would just clean my heart and clean my mouth and Draw me close to you that I may be your voice for people. Yeah, I pray that you just forgive me now and fill me with your love for them again. Anyways, that was my day. What was your day? And to just take those moments. You don't have to do that every day. You don't have to do that 14 times a day. Do it once or twice in your life in front of them. Take those moments. You could be driving in a car. You could be like, I'll see you and I need to have a chat with God and just let them see what that looks like. You can do it while you're laying in bed and thinking about your days, you know, best parts of the day, worst parts of the day, things that you did. You can do it when you snap at them and uh, you lose, you know, when you feel like you need to apologize to your kids, you know, when that happens and uh, you need to go, I'm really sorry. I felt like that was unfair to you and uh, I need to sort that out with God too because that, that was that was not okay and that messed up with our relationship but i think that also was was what i would say is sin it was it was not how god would have responded and i don't want that on my heart so i want to ask you to forgive me and uh, god i pray that you would forgive me too and to just model that every once in a while so they see that that it's just part of it's just part of reconciling life is to do that to create those windows and as you do that 
You could do the encounter in front of them if it would be helpful to your kids. But also you can debrief it because I find that kids, as we talk about catching from God, kids often don't know, um, they don't have a language for what that sin feels like. And so to be able to describe things like uh, sin rather than, you know, I did something bad and I kicked Jesus in the shins and I had to say sorry to him, that actually I didn't, I didn't behave in the way Jesus would have. <laughs> I didn't operate with the heart of God for this. And, and that is a violation. It's a disconnection from God. And that's not how I want to be. That's not how I want to live. I want to live in the way God wants me to. And, and so that you can describe it like that, but also describe what happens in you. How does it feel? I find when working with children, particularly of this age, they are aware of feeling things, but they don't have a name for it. They don't. We know the feeling of convicted. We know that feeling of I messed up and now I feel it. Uh, and sometimes it just takes us time to name those kids. Um, I remember being a child and I used to call it heavy. I felt heavy. I felt like my heart was heavy. Um, I've had other children draw me a picture where they would color in a heart. And it just, you know, this heart was covered in a, in, in, in a, uh, just markings all over it. And, and that's how they felt. It was just a sense of that sort of something on you that just you felt embarrassed by, you felt annoyed by, you felt that you did something wrong and it was still sitting on you. And so when you give them that sort of description, however it feels to you, and you can have a conversation at the dinner table when you do something, oh, this is what I feel. When I know that I've done something wrong, God's poking my heart, it's like this. And someone else will be like, oh, no, no, no. For me, it's like in my head. And you can have this whole conversation about what it's like and how you cope with it. And that can be so helpful for kids because then they can reflect and recognize in their own lives where that is in existence, where that's popping up. The scripture says that the Holy Spirit is the one who convicts of sin. And to say that that's, that's what God does is, he, he, you know, the Holy Spirit comes and pokes your heart and says that right there, that's, that's what was off, helps them understand that. You can talk at how it impacts your connection with God. And when you make mistakes like that, or you choose not his way, you tend to hide from him, or you tend to not want to talk to him about it, because you feel like it's going to come up. And, you know, you, you just don't want to look him in the eyes, you know, just like when you remember when you were a kid and you did something wrong and you hid from your parent because you didn't want to have to talk about it. Sometimes you do that with God too. And and to just describe those moments of what it's like to live with that so that they can see a life lived walking with God can be a really helpful experience for them. So create those windows, whether it's in the moment, whether it's debriefing with them, uh, to be able to just let them see that that's what a life lived with God looks like. Another thing that you can do in this thing that to weave in the ordinary every day is to train them in the concepts of, of what sin does. So, you know, when we talk about parenting and relationships, we talk about feeling really connected to your kids, that there's nothing between you and them. And that's something that I advocate um, talking about with children is is that, you know, we feel as a family, we feel connected to each other, that there's nothing between us. And then when we do something to each other, when we operate not out of love something happens to our connection and sometimes you know, you'll see this in siblings or sometimes you'll see this in relationships or friendships that that when someone does something wrong to somebody else and that person then separates a bit and then that person does something wrong and all of a sudden you find people feeling totally disconnected from each other because they haven't addressed what's between them and reconciled and come back together and so you can integrate that as part of just your talking of sort of saying, you know, you've, this has happened. And, and when you apologize and acknowledge it, then you can get forgiveness and come close together. But you may be hanging on to that in your relationships with others, because then that ties directly into your relationships with God and what that means to come to God. So you can say, you know, have you have you reconciled that with your sister? Have you reconciled that with your friend? Have you chatted with God about it? And just 
sort of pointed out as those places where they have the opportunities to remove everything that's between them and God and run back to God, because that's what Jesus did, is to um, come and provide those concepts of reconnection. So that can be in your in your relationships, it could be in your friendships, it could be all of that. That would be a really helpful thing to talk about things like shame and conviction and forgiveness and all of that, to talk about the concepts so that you can weave together the sin and other things in that. The third thing I would suggest is to tell the whole story. Sometimes we feel when we want to describe sin and shame and guilt to our kids, we reach for an analogy. We reach for how can sin is like what? And so then, and you can look on the internet, it's full of analogies to try to describe that. And the reason why it's full of analogies, I think, is sometimes people uh, feel like it's hard to describe. And so they try to reach for a different analogy. I find that, um, I don't want to say it's unhelpful. I try to not use it as much as I think others do, primarily because then I have to describe the analogy <laughs> and then get them to understand the analogy and then try to get my kid to apply it to a relationship with God that they're still learning to then and only pick up the bits of the analogy that I want them to. So when I, so when I hear people describe, you know, sin is like slime, you know, it's sticky, it gets everywhere and stuff. But there's a lot of other stuff about slime that isn't applicable to our life with God, but but kids don't know which bit of the analogy is the sin bit and which bit of the analogy is just stuff to ignore. And so I find analogies quite difficult to be useful. I think also analogies only look at one aspect of something. And so um, children's leaders and things use analogies because they want to look at one aspect, the contagion of sin, and they'll pick something and try to just hit. Sin is kind of like this in this one small aspect. And you can never really use enough analogies to get a full picture of sin. And so I tend to try to just describe it um, in, as, in as normal language as possible without needing to use an analogy. Um, your sort of life is a, as an example of how that plays out. And so um, I tell the whole story instead. I talk about how, um, how if, if a kid goes, what is sin? Or if you ever say, I don't know if I've ever told you this story about like the whole story of the Bible. You can flip through the whole Bible. This whole thing is about this. And uh, you can tell the whole story with the sin sort of as a concept. And so for me, I describe it sometimes, um, I change it up for fun, but uh, that when we were made, we were created for a specific way. We were, made, we were made to live in a garden with God, always aware of his presence, always knowing that we are loved, always feeling confident and comfortable in who God made us to be and what he's asked us to do. That's how we were made. That's the, 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 the way we were made to flourish was that that's what we were, that love would be at the center of us, powering us and powering our choices, this love of God and love of each other. And at some point people chose to live differently, to say, I don't want to do God's way. I want to do a different way. And they made a choice that, that moved the love of God and love of others and this feeling of being loved out of the center of their choices and heart. And when they did that, other things began to power their choices and power their thinking and power their heart. Their selfishness and worry and fear and trying to provide for yourself. And they began to, to lose how they were always designed to be made. And they walked away from God and tried to make it happen all themselves. And that disconnected people from God and people get to sort of malfunction, sort of not function the way we were called to with love at the center, knowing that we're loved and loving God and loving others. 
But God wasn't just happy for us to walk away and live not full of his love. He pursued us and he came after us and he tried to show us how to come back and live again with him through showing us the Ten Commandments on what that looks like to to try to work our way into that. And then he provided Jesus so that we wouldn't have to try to perfect our way into it, but that all of our mistakes can be swept away and we can run to him again and live in that connection. And he could teach us and and, uh, to be loved and to have love at the center. And that's this process that we're all in. It's this gift that we may learn how to be connected to him again. And we're all on the journey of figuring that out. And some people don't know that they can run and have access to God again. Some people are at the beginning of that stage and learning how to have love at the center. And we get to share God's love with others. We get to be a part of what he's doing in the world. And we get to be more and more transformed in the way. And one day, we're going to be back in a beautiful place, being able to see God with our eyes and be full of his love in our hearts and be able to fully love God and love others the way we were always designed to. And it's going to be great. That's this, that's the story of the, of the Bible. Now, that's how I describe it. You may describe it differently. But then there's, a, there's an idea of how sin plays out across the whole thing. And there's consequences to sin. And there is, there is impacts of sin. And there's there, how it works out that you could go super deep. But when you have this idea of how sin plays out, they can see that story played out in the world, in their lives, and that could be really helpful. And then if you want to use analogies, you can do to highlight little aspects of it. But if they don't have the big picture, then you're trying to describe to them something by describing to them a tiny bit at a time by using lots of different analogies. And that can be hard um, where you just use the, the story of scripture and then you can highlight little bits coming out of it can be really helpful. And the last thing I just wanted to tell you was that there are so many opportunities to coach our children in this cycle of coming to God with what's on your heart. There are times where your kid comes home and you just feel shame sitting on them. You just know that they are, that something happened and they may have fixed it. They may have apologized, but they just aren't there yet. And to be able to say, when I feel like that. Sometimes I just need to tell God about it and have him do that. And do you want to do that? Is that something that you would like my help with? Is that something you would like to do on your own? Is that something that you think would be good to do now or later? And to to help them know where to go with those things that are sitting on them. And there will be opportunities in your life where your kid may say, yes, coach me through it. And you can lay next to them and rather do it for them to sit next to them and say, okay, well, this is this is how I do it. I I chat to God and I tell him what I did, because he saw it, he knew it, he was there, but I just want to tell him. So I tell him, and I tell him how I feel about it. And so why don't you do that now? You can do it in your head. I don't need to hear it at all. I'm just here to help you and God connect. And your kid can chat to God in their own head, in the privacy of their own mind. They can whisper into a pillow, into their hands. And we're done. You can say, you know, I want you to tell God, tell God whatever you want to tell him to fix that relationship, to to say, you can say, I'm sorry. You can ask God to forgive you. You can say, I don't want to do that anymore. However you want to tell God that that is something that you regret and you want to be different. It's completely up to you. How do you want to fix it with God? Quiet. Then your kid can poke you. And you can say, okay, why don't you ask God to make you clean and to sweep those things away off your heart and to just pick them up so that you are completely um, without that sitting on you and that heaviness. And you just coach them through the process. Okay, why don't you ask God to fill you with his love again, that love may be at the center of your heart, catch all your love. Great. And you can, do you want to chat to God now? Or do you, do you want to 
say thank you and leave it. How do you want to do that? And your kid may say, I want to sing a worship song. Your kid may say, I'm done. Your kid may say, go away. I want to have more time with God, whatever. But you have these opportunities to coach your kid through their experience rather than just say, you need to say sorry to God. Say sorry, great, you're done, and you've ticked the box. Because this isn't about just saying sorry for kicking God's shins. This is about a process of reconciliation, of coming together and reconnecting and to create space for that to happen however you choose to do it it may be bedtime it may be coaching it may be you saying you know how to do it and letting them see it and learn for themselves however your kid needs it to let them feel equipped to do it um, for themselves means that they have that individual encounter with you being the coach not the one who makes it happen right that's all i have to say um, do you have any comments, questions, concerns, ponderings, heresy flags, things that I can help you with? Um, what I'm going to do is I'm going to pray for you, and then I'll answer anything that comes up. And if not, then you can go off and have a good night. I just wanted to, to throw that in there for you to choose something over. Um, I also just want to flag up that you may be like, this is all new stuff to me, and I do not know how I feel about sin. I don't know, you know, how I was taught as a kid was unhelpful, and I have a lot to chew over. And I just want to say that's okay, because if if your first steps are just wrestling with this and trying to understand how you feel about it and talking about it with other people and finding analogies or understandings that help you in your understandings that you feel that you can comfortably and peacefully talk about this stuff. That's good. That's a good next step. It's okay that that may be your next step is, is talking about it, pursuing it. And you can even tell your kids, you know, I'm, st I'm still figuring out this in thing because I think sometimes I got the wrong end of the stick on that and it made me want to hide from God or it made me afraid from God. And and I don't think that's truth and I need to, to figure that out. And so um, let's do that. So let me pray. We do have a question that's come in. So I will um, answer that after we pray. But I just want to, I always want to get a prayer. Um, God, I thank you so much for you and that you seek us out and you want relationship with us. And so God, I pray that you would draw us to you and show us your heart for us. God, I pray that you would open our eyes that we may see our children well, that you would tune us into their hearts, that we may know how to explain it to them, how to model it for them, how to open up this whole realm of living free because of what you did for us. That it's not maybe a heavy weight on them, but the real joy of living in relationship with you. So I pray that you would open our eyes that we may see you better. I pray that you would open our mouths that we may boldly speak that as we create windows and as we tell your whole story and as we help our kids understand the concept of reconciliation and coach them through their relationship with you, that sin, shame, and guilt um, may be something that they recognize and move past as they um, run towards you every time. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, so um, what do you do if your child is overly worried about sin and feels the need to repeatedly say sorry to God? Um, often if you have a kid who's overly worried about sin and repeatedly needs to say sorry, I'd suggest there's something in there about feeling um, afraid of God in a way that's unhelpful. So sometimes what happens is, is there's a root in there somewhere that's helpful to dig out. So if they are repeatedly really worried about sin and saying sorry, it's because they're afraid that if they don't say sorry enough, something bad's going to happen. 
And so to begin to unwind that can be really helpful to say, you know, I notice you say sorry to God a lot. Tell me, tell me about that. What does that, what does, what would happen if you didn't say sorry to God today? And ask what would happen if, tell me more about that. And you can begin to understand if it's because they're really going through a stage of just understanding about death and they get really nervous about dying. And so their fear more is about dying than it is about anything else. Or it could be that they see God as, as someone who's just constantly upset with them. It could be that they've never been coached in how to access forgiveness and how to embrace that, how to go to God, talk about it, feel that forgiveness, know the love, to ask God's love and to feel that that has been restored. It may be that in your relationship with your kid that there's a sort of ongoing punishment that happens when they sin. It takes a while for you to get over it. And so they feel like you have to keep saying sorry until it's happy again. And so you can say, you know what, I'm not good at this. God's much better at this. And so when we do it, he separates it and his face is there with me. And I still have to learn how to do that. So it really is, it's about digging about it. So it's probably not about sin. It's probably about that reconciliation process. Um, what if your child says sorry to God, but can't accept they're forgiven? That is something that um, can be can happen. Kids can feel that. And often it's because they feel like they deserve to be punished, that there's something, you know, that they're they're waiting for the, you know, they've got to they've got to work it off. They can't just be forgiven for it. They've got to work it off. And often that you can have perfectionistic kids who are like that, who are like, I should be better. And if there's that, then there's something about talking about the imperfection that we are all, you know, Scripture says, you know, for all have fallen short. Uh, of the glory of God, that we are all imperfect. And that's why God provided this path back to us so that he doesn't expect us to get it right every time. You're still growing. I'm still growing. Um, but he doesn't hold it against us. He says that he takes it as far as the east is from the west. He throws it. Whoo, far away. He doesn't look at it and remember it. And so like for me to hang on to it and say, wait a minute, this is something bad that I did. He doesn't want you to think about that. He wants you to be thinking about how much he loves you and what's next and what's powerful and purposeful, and you're letting it weigh you down. So why is that weighing you down? How can we ask God to take it away from us? How can we ask God to do that? Sometimes it's just teaching your kid coping skills, five deep breaths, and we blow it away. And sometimes they just need a physicality of it. Sometimes it's so impractical and internal that they struggle with with doing it because it just is like this, this transaction that happens intangibly so sometimes those kids need a putting their hands out and receiving something or a you know folding it up and burning it or something that they need a physicality um, I don't tend to use that with kids in general because it can turn into an activity but you'll know your own kid if your kid is a is a physical kid who needs to feel like something happened I know parents who say you know okay we've done that thing we've asked for that now let's go through the door and come back in fresh and they they create a pattern for their kids to to restart um, so you know your child. So what's holding them back? Is it perfection? And so they need imperfection teaching. Is it um, that they feel like they need a punishment because it's practical and they just need something practical to work it out? Is it something that they need to be able to switch into thank you or to get something from God that's a replacement word for them to hang on to? You'll find that sort of thing in there. Right. We're heading into the teens, so I need to end this so I can start the teens one. Um, hopefully I'll see you in a month uh, where we'll have another bedtime drinks. Bless you. Thank you for downloading the Parenting for Faith podcast. A new episode will be released next week. And why not look at parentingforfaith.org to watch the free eight-session course to get in touch 
or to find out about training and events near you. Music